Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. This is your host, Kirsten Franklin. Hey guys, welcome. On today's episode, we have with us a neuroscience educator and professional development trainer. She's the host of Mindset Neuroscience Podcast, as well as an author and creator of Super Regulators, the science of self-regulation and a new type of human. So welcome to today's episode, Stephanie Fay. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for being with us. I'm super psyched. Everybody who follows me knows I geek out on on science, neuroscience, so this is going to be fun. Um, why don't you, you know, why don't you start by telling the listeners, um, you know, first of all, you're talking about self-regulation. Okay. So, you know, you talk, calling them super regulators. Tell us what self-regulation is and yeah. what you mean when you're talking about, you know, super regulation. Yeah. Uh, well, self-regulation is so two different kinds, but I'll just say more or less what it's aiming for. The idea of self-regulation is to feel better. Um, Basically, everything we do is an attempt to attain feeling better. And feeling better is relative all the time. So if we're really, really bored, we want some stimulation. If we're overstimulated, we want to calm down. If we're feeling really isolated, we need something to connect us. If we're getting too social with people and all that kind of stuff, we need some time alone. So self-regulation is is relative, um, but it's our capacity to figure out how to feel better. It really is comes down to that. It's a physiological sensation of relief in some ways, but it can be a bit of stimulation. But um, And there's two kinds of self-regulation that I talk about. So one is called conditional self-regulation, and that is using things in our environment to help us create a more desired state. So that can be, we use music or art or walking outside, nature, um, cooking, any kind of thing like that. So we could even call that something possibly task positive is is another way to talk about it. Um, But there's another kind of, and I also call that bottom-up self-regulation. There's another kind of self-regulation, which is top-down self-regulation that's using our mind and only our mind so we actually kind of withdraw from anything external and we use different processes within our mind to create a preferred state so that can be things like meditation and there's the different kinds we can be focusing on something like more of a focused awareness it can be an open monitoring kind of noticing where we're not judging it could be visualizations or mantras. So that's a type of conditional self-regulation, uh, sorry, unconditional self-regulation, or I call it top-down. Um, and then the other piece, so that's doing stuff on our own, but as humans, uh, we are part of also mammals. That's the class that we're a part of. And mammals, including us, we need to engage in something called co-regulation, which is we need to have connection with others. We don't survive without connection. Um, it's different than reptiles. Reptiles can kind of do a lot on their own, <laughs> um, but not not us. We need we actually need um, different. We need things that happen with each other's voices and the physiological sensations that 
get detected and projected out between each other. We need all of that in order to actually regulate, to, to keep our homeostasis going and, and all of those things. So that's a co-regulation and it's included in this idea of self, we can self-regulate with others. That's co-regulation. And there's two kinds of that also. If there's a conditional or bottom-up kind, which is where we're physically present with people and we used, um, you know, being with them to regulate. And then there's a unconditional, which is where they may not be physically present with us, but we can draw them up into our mind and use that relationship to actually engage in healing and forgiveness or just gratitude and things like that. So, um, yeah, so super regulation is basically a kind of a, a summary of that, but with a greater purpose. So a person who is a super regulator is someone who has become more aware of their ability to self-regulate and their ability to use relationships in a kind of a healthy way to help them adapt to life's challenges. And they have a a sense of service towards others in terms of helping others learn to self-regulate and co-regulate. So there's just a wider purpose to that. So super regulator is in a way, um, a collective. It's not necessarily, it's, it's not ever one person. It's a, it's a, a network basically of minds that come together. Um, but it, it, you know, can be focused through an individual to do that. So it's often teachers can be any, anyone can be a super regulator. They are just kind of, uh, aware of their ability to self-regulate and co-regulate, but they have an extra layer of wanting to help other people do that and to optimize human potential in that way. Yeah. So, and why do you, why do you think this is important? Why do you think it's important for people to understand this. Um, obviously the idea of self-regulation is one thing, but why is it like we do it naturally, right? We try to do it naturally. So why is it important that we bring awareness to this uh, ability and what does it do for us? Like, what can it do for us? Well, I would say that, uh, I mean, one thing is most people I would say are not particularly aware of their ability to self-regulate on purpose. (laughs) Um, So there's some of it that's done, but it's kind of accidental. And so they don't really know what actually works for them. So I think bringing awareness helps things become more explicit so that people can turn it on, turn off, turn the volume up on this, turn the volume down on that, and gives them a sense of control and power. Because otherwise, if we're just doing stuff because it becomes automatic, like we, we, we can use something like television or our phone to soothe ourselves but the problem is when we are we become very automatic and the movement becomes almost robotic about it now we're not really Mm -hmm. in control of that we're using the same thing over and over again to numb more than anything um and so yeah yeah, i think it's more bringing just awareness to the concept of self-regulation just to help people become aware that we as humans are the only species that can actually do this on purpose So we know we are the only ones that can actually use our imagination and forethought and thoughtfulness and mindfulness to, to regulate our state. There's no other species that can do that. And by doing that, what we're also doing is we're bringing a bit more activity to a very, very important part of the brain, which is a prefrontal cortex. And that is something that's where I go. That's where I'm kind of heading with the idea of a new type of human is that we don't, we don't know how to activate that on purpose enough, um, the networks related to this idea of self-regulation. And a really big piece of that is that we are not born with the ability to self-regulate. It's actually, that is something that has to come from our interactions with caregivers. It has to be learned and has to be 
not learned explicitly, but it has to, there has to be a nurturing that happens where we're what's called a very, very nurture dependent species or experience dependent species, meaning that our brain is not fixed and our brain is basically building itself second by second after we leave the womb. And it's building networks after we leave, obviously while we're in the womb, but definitely after we're in the womb and the relationships right. we have. Um, and if we don't take care of that, we do lack some of the access to that prefrontal cortex. It's not a given that it gets fully, all of its potential is realized. And so the more people we have in the world that are super regulators, and another word I would really use to, to call them is prefrontal cortex models, people that are modeling what it looks like to activate that prefrontal cortex and use it um, consciously, they will then act as those models for the people around them in order for them to be building up their brains and the circuits in their brains like that. So, and I think we need that in the world right now. I think there are, there's a couple of really big reasons. One is um, I think we don't have enough people in leadership roles and caretaker roles that know how to do this consciously. And so that means that the people in their care are not able to um, have these models that give them what we need physiologically to take care of our, ourselves and build up our brain. Um, and um, can't remember what my second reason was. <laughs> <laughs> Leadership. Oh yes. That, the other piece is that we are also in a new society where um, the ratio of adults to children are very different in a lot of our early environments. So we, we have a lot of environments where there's a lot of kids together and that's great. But the only thing is, is that because we have this experience dependent brain, we do need to have more of these mature self-regulating adults in our lives in order to build those functions in our brain. So we are building kind of gener we're leaving a lot of these generations, the younger generations to try and figure this out themselves. And they can't do it because if they don't have mm -hmm. other self conscious self regulators around them, they're not going to be able to build those skills. And that's why you see a lot of people turning to substances and phones and, addictive kind of behaviors because they don't know how to soothe and regulate themselves using their own mind um, and using their relationships in very healthy ways. So, yeah. So that's the other yeah. reason we need, we need more super regulators and next generations. So, so yeah. So yeah. let me ask you this, like that just brought me somewhere else. Um, you're mentioning that a lot of younger people are sort of left on their own. What has changed at all in society that, that creates that situation? Well, I think, I mean, there, there's a bunch of different theories, but one, one thing that we just see is the industrial model of school um, is a really oh, big yeah. part of that. So we basically yeah. created factories um, to send them. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And then, you know, uh, a very um, significant misunderstanding of human behavior and human psychology and human neurology by putting that many kids in one classroom with one teacher um, yeah, just, it's just yeah. really not going to work. So yeah, that, that's you. a big okay. part of it. Yeah. Okay. And something else you had, had mentioned, I, I, I kind of caught my attention in my ear was just how you're talking about, um, you know, the self soothing and that if we aren't paying a conscious attention to it, it essentially becomes a subconscious habit. Right. And for our listeners who are a large amount of, uh, female entrepreneurs, um, you know, business women, women in business executives. Um, I kind of think this is important because this is something 
I work a lot on breaking people's habits of, you know, the actions you take will get results. The question is, is are they going to get the results you want? And, and you and I were just talking and I broke down and I did the same thing, right? I went to my little old wretchedy self under some stress <laughs> and I ended up YouTubing, right? Um, which, which ended up being good. What was funny is though, is I really did have this sort of conscious conversation with myself and I asked myself, I literally asked myself, I said, well, what could you accomplish in this hour? Cause you know, I was back at that point where I was like, okay, the pressure's on, I have control. I have to do it, 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 do it. And then I was like, you know what? F it. Like, no, like I need, I need a mental break. And so we all say this, right. And you build up this capacity, your ability. You know, I remember as an attorney having to read, 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 read. The first time I started reading, I was like, dude, I can't get through a paragraph. By the end of school year, I could, I could read seven books in a minute. You know what I mean? It is definitely a skill set. Um, but we do fall into this. So, you know, just, you know, hearing you say that, I was like, oh yeah, you know, this is something I work with my clients with all the time is kind of untraining, first noticing what are the go-to habits because you don't even know you do it. Yes. You know? And it's just so used to it. Like, you know, the, when you get lost in Instagram or Facebook, yeah, that's the habit. That's the exact habit we're talking about. It's because it's a mental release and it has now become a thing. And it is purposeful because you think you're taking this break because what you really need is probably some kind of artistic break, right? Like we're talking about having that sort of whatever you want to call it, right brain side, less logical. I have that more, you know, imaginative so that you can connect in a different way and actually get the answers. It always happens, right? <laughs> like when you let go and, and get loose, you get yep, all the answers. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it was interesting that you said yep. that. It was like, oh yeah, you know, like that's something that we, we literally dig down and look at all of your habits because we know which ones aren't working. The question is, is what is, you know, if we, if we take like Duhigg's, you know, habit cycle, what's the trigger? What's going on for you? What are the emotions? What's happening that causes you to be like, okay, checkout time. So it might be for you, the phone, which happens so easy now for yeah. these kids, right? Um, maybe you're a teenager, lawyers, alcoholics, drug addicts. I mean, that's why, you know, you have to check out of the stress, but we have been so yep. trained to not pay conscious attention to it that when we're trying to check out and we don't feel like watching TV because we're too intelligent, we don't, that does nothing for us. What are we going to do? We're going to go become alcoholics. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to black out mm-hmm. alcohol. Hey, must've mm-hmm. done something. Have no idea. Can't remember next, next, you know? <laughs> Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, and that this idea of this habit, I think something that a lot of people aren't as conscious of is that there's a muscle memory involved in these habits. So whether it's reaching Mm -hmm. for the bottle or reaching for the phone, there isn't, there is a very similar movement, an actual motor movement that happens over and over and over again. And what we, you know, as soon as we have a movement that happens so many times, it becomes our body basically is our subconscious memory becomes stored in the cells and it's really reflexive. So um, a lot of people aren't realizing that it's, it's not only, so first of all, it becomes this robotic movement. It's a muscle memory of reaching for whatever that thing is. And generally it is something we kind of reach for. It could be the refrigerator the cigarette, handle. Their hand, right, right. It something. could be the, you know, the phone, but there's something we do and it's, it's that repetitive muscle movement. So even just having that tiny little moment right before we do the reach can actually be part of what breaks that cycle. So feeling mm. the sensation of what am I trying to relieve? And then just hold it, even if you don't completely eliminate it. But if you just have that awareness and then hold it before you do the reach, you're breaking that muscle memory so that it now becomes a choice. And that's the thing is like, 
people just think they're choosing all the time, but actually they're not, they're completely, you know, automated by these, by these responses. And the other piece I would say too, is that I'm really just a fan of diversifying neural circuitry. So having all the different circuits lighting up. And so when we reach for the same thing, which tends to be the same thing for the same people over and over again, um, we're not diversifying those circuits. So whether it's, so it could be the bottle, it could be a cigarette, it could be food, it could be online shopping, it could be the phone. But when we do that, it's, there's not enough different sensory stimulus happening to our brain because it's so repetitive. And that's, that's when I see just, I think a lot of our emotion, like just the stress issues, the anxiety, the depression has a lot to do with rigid flex, rigid circle circuits. So just rigidity in the brain, that repetitiveness, the brain is designed to be just open and expansive and calculating new things. And so if we don't do something like sometimes we go for a walk or sometimes we go and play with this, or sometimes we, we need to vary that up Mm because that gives so much new stimulus to the brain, new sensory stimulus for the brain to work with. And something like even whether it's a bottle, but especially the phone too, is it's the exact same motion over and over and over again, regardless of what our stress is. So it's the same Typing and and swiping is the same motor movement over and over and over again. And that's not really what we're designed. We're designed to be way more adaptive and clever than that. Like if I feel this way, something, a new kind of movement, a new kind of circuitry, but we're doing the same motion over and over and over again. So I think that's the other thing too. It's just robbing our brain of having lots of circuitry fire up um, in in new ways. That's interesting. So because, you know, I obviously, with the work that I do, I um, we, we break habits all the time. Right. And I, I break them. I've never thought about breaking the physical movement. I never thought about the fact that what you just said is a gajillion times true. Right. I mean, like it is that thing and everything you do becomes like a little pathway in your brain, how you tie your shoe, whether you tie the right loop first, you know, people think they make so many decisions uh, you know, that they have such consciousness, but you know, with the study showing that we're making approximately 35,000 choices within a 24 hour period, um, you know, excluding Uh sleep. It's like, okay, I definitely did not think, uh, you know, I did not, you know, nobody thinks consciously of, okay, how did I wake up? Did I choose the roll right? Did I choose the look? It's all a choice, right? right? It's all these patterns. And it's interesting marketing, marketing people go after this all the time. They research the hell out of us. I mean, however stores were built Mm -hmm. way back in like the forties grocery stores, everybody apparently would go in go a certain direction and turn left. So then they all started building all their stores so that all the stuff would be at the left, right? Like the, the, regardless of where the entrance was. Oh. And now the stores, you know, they have multiple yeah. entry points. So that's, I don't know how much important that is, but it's interesting because that's all based hmm. on these subconscious habits that we develop that we're not even aware of. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's yes. interesting because, you know, now I'm thinking I about go, breaking yeah. those patterns with them because it is the physical, like, that's really interesting. I'd never... Yeah you know, other than like c- cigarette smoking, because you, you assume there's a fidgeting with the hands or something. I really never thought that to break the pattern of don't go for the glass, you know, like yeah. just, just, yeah. You know, just yeah. pause. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Or the food or the phone. Yeah. yeah it's, it's always, and, um, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if there's a little something to do with when we're babies and what we reach for also that there's mm. something in that. Um, but yeah, that's a big part of like what I'm really interested in too, and different circles that I'm a part of, we talk about is this idea of embodied cognition. So, um, getting less, less 
because sometimes we get very mental. We're talking about our behavior mental way as though the circuits firing in our brain and we forget about the body and it is so essential to literally everything we do and we don't realize how much movement is involved in everything we do and our the movements are related to our learning and, and behavior so even something as simple as when we read we think that somehow it's there's just it's all in the brain almost it's this intellectual thing but there's an incredible number of tiny little movements that are happening as we read uh, something that we don't even notice is that our mouth will actually imitate the sounds of the word as we read. It's mm-hmm. not doing it on a very obvious level, but there's little things like that. So there's just these tiny movements that if we break them down, sometimes we have a little more chance of having control over it. When we, when we mm-hmm. see how much movement body motor movements are involved, even in our relationships and our emotional reactions to another person, there are motor movements that we have automated mm-hmm. a scrunch of the face, a tightening of this, a, a way we do. Yeah. So there's these tiny little micro movements that are involved in everything. And I, I love bringing awareness to that because that's been very helpful in my life too. Yeah. How so? How has it helped you in your life? Well, things like, you know, if I, there was a time where I got very defensive about um, a certain you know, let's say a specific relationship was the way we were texting back and forth. And so I started to realize that if they texted and I very quickly found myself grabbing the phone and typing fast, I noticed that the speed of my, that was related to my state. And then it usually didn't end up with the desired <laughs> result. <laughs> so I started to break that down. So you didn't like, hey, show them how they were all wrong, right? You didn't show that. Yeah, they yeah, didn't learn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, they didn't, they didn't. You know, I thought, I thought the faster I typed, you know, the more they would hear it. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Um, so, but what's so helpful for me was instead of like, so, sometimes I go deep and sometimes I'm trying to like disentangle, you know, where this was and, you know, childhood stuff, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I go there, but sometimes like in this, this particular situation, and I've talked about this with like, you know, people like counsel and stuff too, is all I did was I'm like, okay, let's just break this down to a motor movement level. I'm just going to slow this down and I'm not, I'm not going to grab the phone as fast. And when I do, I'm going to slow down my motor movement. And I just did that. Mm. And I didn't have to go through what am I like? It just slowed it down. Just slowing down the motor movement just changed the way I texted. So I didn't need to like, and I just found that helpful because it was a quick way Okay. In this moment, there's not, I don't know what else I'm going to do, but if I just slow it down. So I, yeah, I think that that's another one too, for me, I notice is that the faster we react, um, the more likely we're using primitive responses and that's just geographically the brain, it needs some time for some of the signals to go to the other parts. So as soon as we slow things down, but yeah, it's the, for me, it helped to break it down by the motor movement. Um, or I, you know, another one was, not just motor movement, but, you know, micro movements of the face, um, noticing in myself. So this is actually one that has happened more recently. I, if I, let's say if I sit and meditate, sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm doing like a real, a real meditation. Sometimes I'm just sitting just to give myself 15 minutes and not using any external stimulus to try and get myself into a new state. And I, I will notice, and I'm doing it on purpose, I will feel that when I'm in, um, meditate or, you know, get into a new state, I Mm. will take, I will purposely set the intention of noticing what my facial muscles are doing 
Um, and so then I'm able to even see that when I'm in this very like more focused, that problem solving kind of mode, there is a tense, a tenseness like in the, in the eyebrows and the forehead. And then as I feel myself release, um, it just changes my perception. It changes how I'm feeling. So even noticing things like that has been helpful for me too, too. You don't have to already go into trying to figure it out mentally, right? Just changing some of the muscle movements can release or trigger, I guess, new circuitry. Well, I'm yeah. going to use that one because I know that I could slam it out real fast. I'm a very fast typer to begin with. But when I'm <laughs> pissed, woo, I'm going to, I'm just going to, oh, yeah. I'm going to finger type to make sure I slow down. Yeah. 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 It's all about speed. Right? Yeah. yeah. The fast, faster, you know? the louder. Right. Yeah. 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 It doesn't usually end up the way we want it. No. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. And I actually, there was a friend of mine and I, I, I saw him texting um, with his son really, really fast. And I saw, I was like, Oh, I, I can see, I like, I would see the mess. I'm like, I see how fast this is happening. I'm like, let's just, let's just delay it. Just just like a little bit longer. And it took a lot of effort for him to do that. Cause he's like, no, I need to, I need to tell him now. Like, well, no, that thought will still probably be there in a few minutes. And if it's not, it's probably a better, kinder, gentler (laughs) thought, right? It's like, (laughs) totally, exactly. And actually it changed the conversation he had with it. It was a very different, like as soon as he slowed it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. So actually, why don't you um, tell us yeah. a little bit, you know, kind of skipped over this part here, but why don't you tell us a little bit about this, your background and what you're kind of currently doing? Because you alluded to a little bit when you're talking about your patients, because I know you see outpatients. So why don't you give a give the listeners just now that they've heard some of the wisdom, they can understand who they're hearing it from and, and a little bit about your background. <laughs> so, I mean, I know you have the background in psychology, but obviously there's neuroscience. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so where, where I'm working right now, um, yeah, it's an intensive outpatient clinic for people with different uh, issues, challenges. So it can be substance abuse, a lot of PTSD or developmental trauma, um, anxiety, depression, variety of things. I'm the neuroscience associate. So I we will start often because we really want to individualize the treatment. So we put um, electrodes on their on their brains, and we measure their brainwaves and create. Um, we call it a quig. It's a quantitative electroencephalogram, um, and that's just measuring different di- different activities. So we're trying to see if there's like hype, you know, hyperactivity, too much coherent, too much connectivity between different regions, or not enough. Um, you know, sleep issues. There can be different things like that. So we Wait, look I have at to that. stop you there. What um, would be what would be oh. too much connectivity? What would be too much kind of well, unification? I mean, one one is actually this. Um, so it, the the maps that I that I look at, we have an expert that has been doing it for thirty years. He's the one that really digs into the details of it. So I'm looking more on a surface level. But too much connectivity is going to be um, when there's when there's a certain circuits that are too hyper connected. Mm-hmm. So one would be something like even that the default mode network that, that that I've been talking about, which is a lot of different areas of the brain. They're still really looking into that, um, but there it's like they're talking. Those circuits or or features or networks, they're talking too much to each other, and they're not letting the other the other circuits <laughs> talk. It's like they're competing. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's like when you're supposed to be, you know, focused on something external, 
you got the internal focus networks. They're just, they're competing. They're like, no, it's our turn, even though it actually should not be their right, turn right. at that point. So when there's too much connectivity, it's a bit of too much right, rigidity okay. is really rigidity. what it's kind yeah, of demonstrating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, you want, th- you want all these networks communicating, but you don't want the same networks to right. take over everything right, right. and just talk to each other okay. all the time. You got to let the other guys okay. come in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so asymmetry is another thing that we look at. Um, so if there's a lot of just different, uh, like, let's say a lot of slower brain waves on the left side that tends to, tends to correlate with some, some types of depression, um, and too, way too much fast activity, um, on, on the right side can be a lot of anxiety. So these are just correlations still, you know, there, there's, there can be a lot of skepticism but that also kind of makes basic sense right like when we talk to people and we you know for lack of a better term treat things like anxiety um from my perspective not even a neuroscience perspective a lot of times anxiety comes from past experiences and future looking Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. because what you don't have control of you don't have the certainty and all this is open and now i'm anxious so that would kind of make sense to me if you have that it's almost like a an off-putting imagination. Right, right. right? Too much. And so that makes mm-hmm. so much sense mm-hmm. to me to be like, oh, your right side is so lit up mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. your brain's going, mm-hmm. oh, look at all these possibilities and you right, don't know, right. you, you don't know? know what to do about it. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, if we see a lot of, so there's different, the different um, frequencies. So high beta is a, is a really high frequency, tends to be with hyper problem solving, but uh, generally it's a, a stressful kind of brainwave. So, um, you know, in, in stress responses, we, we have a lot of that fast activity. People have to, if they're just producing too much of that, they tend to be very, um, but again, with like all of this is always context dependent because you also want to have some of that hyper-focus when let's say if you're performing right. a surgery during a surgery, you want to have that kind of level of, of hyper-focus. Right. So it's more, um, yeah, we're looking at sym- symmetry is usually something that we are aiming for and just not having too much of a certain brainwave at times where it's not appropriate. So for example, you know, alpha and theta are very slower, relaxed brainwaves wonderful for meditation not so great when you're in class learning <laughs> so you can't say oh that's a good brain wave and that's a bad brain wave i want more alpha you can't right. know they all have their purpose to do what right. there's always for what exactly right. and where our brain's producing all of them all the time so yeah so we, we're looking at that and, and then in conjunction with that we do neurofeedback which is you put you know um the electrodes and they're, oh, I love that yeah they're measuring and then you basically get to control kind of a video games based on what um your brainwaves are producing it rewards you you know when you're in like a zone yeah so it's pretty cool, oh, that's cool. and uh yeah that's and then i measure things like uh, heart rate variability so and then i just do group group th- you know group um education stuff like that especially ne- very neuroscience based so that that's a, that's you know a big part of my life right now um and yeah. Uh, well, on, on the side <laughs> is, you know, I run some, I'm running a masterclass um, pretty soon and just blogging and podcasting. So yeah, tell us about that. Tell us about the masterclass. Yeah. So it's going to be about super regulators. Um, so, and that's on June 27th. And uh, I just want to, I'm trying to basically shine a light out to tr- gather like-minded people. That's really a big part of it. I want it to be really co-creative. Um, I, and I want to help people 
build up, uh, I'm calling it like a super regulator avatar. So they start to kind of figure out what, what's the unique little twist and unique cool things that they do to regulate themselves because everyone has different ways of doing it. Um, and to co-regulate, how do they use their relationships? And then what, what is some sort of audience or platform they have right now where they feel like they would like to help other people also figure out how to be better at regulating themselves and, um, getting into a state, a preferred state. So, yeah, so I'm, we're, it's just co-creative and I, I'm going to do a lot of interactive stuff with people that, just to give them ideas of stuff they could do if they're ever running a workshop and, and things like that. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, so that's, yeah, June 27th. And yeah, that just leads off of, you know, cause I'm, I, now are you going to have the replay for that available? Oops, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So that like, you say, are you going to have the replay? Available? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, so the tickets are, mm-hmm. are there and then I'm going to record it and then just kind of have it as a different option later for the, for that. So, yeah. So what we'll do is we'll definitely drop that link in our description so people can go and check that out. Cool, yeah. Um, hoping to get you on for this Wednesday, which would be before the 27th. But if that's not possible, the link will be there. And yeah, you can at least check yeah, out definitely. The yeah, yeah, that would be great. So, yeah. And then also you also yeah. have a podcast. So tell us a little bit about the podcast because I'd yes. love to drop that link. Yeah, in I lo- very, very I, I'm really proud of my, my podcast. I, I am recording another season. It's a long process because it, you know... Uh, it was going to, and I'm trying to still do it. I I think you were mentioning this too, trying to have it as a, like there's a YouTube component to it, but it changes the whole dynamic and logistics every time. So, but, um, it's the mindset neuroscience podcast. And I intentionally created it as one season first, um, 12 episodes. And it just dives into, I mean, it started with the concept of growth mindset, which is what some of my YouTubes are kind of known for. Um, and, and then self-regulation is a really big part of it. So yeah, I've, I've just gotten amazing feedback on it. I have requests from different organizations to basically host it on their, their websites because they, they're using it almost like an audio training. Um, yeah. So, and oh, that's yeah, cool. so, and it, it kind of, you can follow it like that almost, but you can jump in at any episode really. So, um, yeah, that's just, that was just basically a compilation of all the different workshops that I've, you know, done over the years, because that was a big part of my work. That's, that's been the biggest part of my work for the last 10 years, really. Yeah. With the growth mindset. And, um, just leading workshops. So, and that, that actually started, so I was a, a school counselor for a little while and I brought in all the neuroscience into my sessions with the students and they just loved it. It gave them something tangible and concrete to think about because I showed them neurons firing up. I showed them neural networks and things like that. And then I got requests from the teachers because all of them are saying, we would love to know this stuff. You know, (laughs) we don't get this. You'd think that since we're working with their brains, we would know more about their brains, but that's not really a thing that happens. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I started getting a lot of requests for workshops and that kind of took off and that was, you know, I started my blog because of that and just started doing that. So yeah, yeah that's been a big part of my life for, for a while. And I, want to keep going on that i think all the schools i think all the schools police departments all the all the oh government employees should all have kind of mindset emotional intelligence and um meditation courses in there. i agree um oh just, my gosh i agree you know even my daughter's school has yeah. a, a regular meditative practice for all the kids from first grade to, to eighth grade wow that's yeah. amazing yeah. That's and amazing. they love it. And they had, they have someone yeah. special from Columbia come in 
and she's wow. specifically for the kids. You know what I mean? So they do the the child version of things, but I do them too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, let's yeah. stop here and let's think about like, <laughs> what does this feel like? What's going on? Like, you yeah. know, it's fun. Yeah. Like, you know, it takes yeah. one second. So it's, it's really yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I had a, I had a really big experience, well, quite a few, but one that really stands out was a fifth grader who was, he was getting in fights all the time. He was just shoving kids and getting kicked out. And um, so I met with him. I met with his mom too. That that was often part of my policy was, you know, if I'm going to be meeting with your child, I want to meet with you too. Yeah. And because uh, I know she she had some anger issues and stuff like that. But a lot of the work I did with him was we was to help him become aware. And this is actually in episode five of my podcast. I share this story um, at the end, I think, um, to become more aware of the physiological sensations in our body, uh, especially in those trigger moments can really help us. And then to see what is that motor movement that happens reflexively. Mm-hmm. So I worked with him on that. I had to actually, there was no way he was going to understand where his, ang- like what his anger was, because that's mm-hmm. the other thing we have to understand is most, a lot of people, especially the younger they are, the less you can talk about feelings, the, the using words, I know we're always saying, use your words, use your words. They're not, their brains are not really like neurologically receptive to too much talk, which is yeah. so funny that that's the all Charlie we do Brown in teacher. schools. Yes, exactly. Brown. I told my exactly. daughter, I could tell like, the, the second she, she zoned out, I was like, oh, I started sounding like Charlie Brown, huh? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't listening to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's kind of insane that that's how we try to teach kids all the time. They need to be using their bodies and their sensations as much as possible. But uh, so he, I would, I would kind of say, you know, where, where do you feel, where do you feel this anger? And it was against a particular girl in his class that really made him mad. And he would always just say, I don't know. I just feel so angry, you know? And Mm -hmm. so we session after session, we would try this, but I, what I realized I had to model for him what would happen in my body. So I actually needed to draw up a situation that stressed me out so that I could moment by moment mirror to him what it looked Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. um, as I did it. And so then I, I did, I brought up for me, it wasn't anger. It was like a sense of rejection. So I brought that up and I was like, I feel prickly in my fingers, my throat. And I I talked like that. And then eventually, like after we did that a couple of times, he finally, he was able to bring up the image. So again, this is this idea of our, uh, this human ability that we can literally just bring something up and it will mm-hmm. change our emotional state. Yep. So he brought her up and he finally, he said, he looked down and he says, oh, wow, my fist clenches. It's like, I just saw my mm-hmm. fist clench and I feel hot right here. And he's like, I, do, I have an indicator now, which, and that I had not used that word. I thought that was really cute. So he, the next day he came up to me after school and he said, Miss Stephanie, uh, the girl in my class, she tried, she tried to get in a fight with me today, but I looked down and I fist clenching and I didn't want to use the older part of my brain. I wanted to use my prefrontal cortex. So I told her we would talk about it later and I turned around and walked away. Ah. And, um, and that was just a moment of power for him. Yeah. yeah, it was huge. That was a really big moment for me too. Uh, and he, that was, that was a turning point for him. He, he did so much better in school. And then the really cool part of that story is that his mom was so like surprised that he was able to control these reactions that she ended up enrolling in anger management classes because oh, it was like, great. Oh, it's my, yeah. yeah. So there's a big change. So yeah, Aww. just this idea of awareness of what we do automatically 
And can we break that down just a little bit to try and have a little more power and control? Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too. Like once sometimes awareness alone yes. is enough. I and agree. It's, 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 it's a large amount of time. People don't even yeah. realize it, but once they really yeah. stop and become yeah. aware of it, you know, whatever yeah. it is, whether it's the go-to thought, whether it's the go-to emotion, whether it's the go-to physical thing, once it's like, yeah. oh, whoa, yes. you know? Yes. And then they don't do and it. It's funny because gone. Yeah. And I, I saw with so what I saw from you actually, even just in your gestures is you have that, Oh, like that. And <laughs> that's so interesting because as our eyes look up, like we're kind of pointing to, cause there is this like thing called the medial prefrontal cortex MPFC, which we can call the observer or the watchtower. That is, there is something related to that and our, this idea of awareness. So if we're thinking of rigid, like repetitive networks in other areas of the brain, as soon as we have a moment of awareness, just that. Yeah. It takes electric activity, it takes all that into a new part of the brain and just opens it up. Mm-hmm. So just that alone is like a, a change. Isn't that so, funny? Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. <laughs> so listen, so if you had one thing that you could tell some of our viewers, especially, you know, thinking of the times right now, which we're recording this right now, some some city states are coming out of like sort of this COVID. It's a, it's a pandemic. We've all kind of been on lockdown disconnected from others to the extent that, that some of us have, <laughs> some of us have decided not to, which is good. It's do it every once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you know, we're all kind yeah. of disconnected. We're disconnected yep. from the so- social aspects at work, whether we like them or not, it's still social. Um, you know, we're, we're really disconnected. So I'm, I'm seeing, yep. or I'm believing that I will be seeing a lot more of this, but there will absolutely be bouts of, you know, minor depressions, major depressions. Um, you know, there's only so much grabbing to the phone and going swooping through Insta that's going to take your mind off it. Right. And so now you're even bored with Insta. You can't stand yourself. You can't stand your life. You haven't done anything. You physically feel like crap because you haven't worked out. Right. So what is something that maybe we could, you know, leave our listeners with that could be an exercise or something they could do because it is actually just a thought in your head. That's the interesting Mm -hmm. thing about the Mm -hmm. human brain. And we do this all the time in NLP with anchoring, purposefully anchoring certain moments, right? We do this all in psychology, bringing back that moment of joy so that we can just flip the script. And, you know, what can we do for some of our viewers? Just one thing that they can do to maybe take them out of that second of, eh, you know, eh, mm-hmm. get them get yeah. them happy again or get them in a better yeah. state, especially yeah. when we're talking about self-regulation and being conscious about it. Yeah. I would say that um, my thought goes to... We are often, so when we get into that feeling, um, there is a, it's like we, there is a part of us that just wants to escape wherever we're at. We're trying mm-hmm. to escape. Um, and in many ways, we're trying to escape our mind, but we're trying mm-hmm. to escape wherever we're at. So what I see is people do that one way. They try to, they want to get out of it by, you know, going to the phone or going to whatever that reflexive habit is because it get, helps them escape. And I would say that. What, what I would try and challenge yourself to do, and it's something I'm doing for myself, is how do we actually come back way more into our body? So we can leave, we can get out of our thoughts, sometimes by trying to focus on something else, but we can also get out of our thoughts by coming into our body and into our senses. So how do we use our body in a new way? Think about how do we move our body in a new way? It may, I'm not talking about dancing. It can be, <laughs> but right. it doesn't have to be a gross motor movement. But what can we do new with our body that can k- get us out of our mind and engage our senses again? And a lot of those answers, that answer will not be in a phone right. because that is not using your body in any way. 
that answer won't be grabbing whatever that thing is you normally grab. Right. So what is the new movement that you can do with your body to bring you into your body and engage your senses in some way, some sort of, you know, sight, sound, taste, touch. How do you, because that doing that is what brings you out of your head. And something you, you had said earlier, you know, this idea of letting go. Um, sometimes when things come, they call this the shower effect too, where yeah, yeah. sometimes you're ruminating on an idea and then all this thing in the shower. Well, part of the reason for that is that when you go into the shower, the sensation of the heat on your skin is think of if the hot water is touching every little cell of your body, that is all circuitry that's lighting up based on the cells. It's pulling the, the all of the circuitry mm-hmm. away from the me, 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 me network. Focus, right. Yes. It's diffusing it out. So mm-hmm. anything we can do, do that brings stuff to our senses, especially touch, that's a good one, but it can be all the different senses. It's diffusing that circuitry away from the me, me, me network. So, and that's really where I think a lot of that, that rumination, that blech feeling is the me, me, me network. How do we diffuse right. it out? So come out of your mind by coming back into your senses in your body. Sometimes it can be with somebody, but if not, then it's your senses in, in some way. Yeah. So awesome. that's, that's what I've been doing for myself and I have been finding it really helpful. Awesome. I love it. Listen, I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate all the time and I will have the links. I'll get the links from you and I'll have yeah. all the links below in the description. Thank you. It was really great. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pi. So it's three, it's Thrive underscore Tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course, you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there, but if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.